I promise you, if you invest more in teaching your students executive function skills, they're going to have a foundation. They're going to be set up for success because out of those skills, it's all the things that we just take for granted, right? Uh, Understanding how to use your time, how to organize yourself, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Today, I'm speaking with the executive functioning expert, my buddy, Mitch Weathers. And the cool part is that uh, he gives a high-level overview of some of these skills. In his view, there's six of them that students and really teachers must master, right, in every classroom to create a, a predictable and dependable routine. And when you have that, there's trust, there's safety. Students could really soar. And what's super cool, he has a five-part free webinar training. It's a series of great uh, sessions on executive functions. And you can sign up, right? So sign yourself up. I would definitely share this with my staff, you know, and encourage them to sign up. And if you go to organizedbinder.com slash EF, you can register for this series for free. I think it's starting up uh, in the next week or so. It's happening in January 2023. All right. Well, hey, this is Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And this show is for ruckus makers, which means you invest in your continuous growth. You challenge the status quo and you design the future of school now. And we'll be back after some short messages from our show sponsors. Learn the framework, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership. A joint collaboration between the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Harvard Business School. Connect and collaborate with fellow school leaders as you address your problems of practice in our online professional development program. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Teachers use TeachFX to record a lesson and automatically get personalized insights into their classroom conversation patterns and teaching practices. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Ruckus Makers, I am joined by one of my favorite people in the entire world, Mitch Weathers. And Mitch doesn't teach teachers how to teach. He teaches teachers how to set students up for success. He can teach teachers how to deliver content. He's good at it, but that's not where he adds the most value for a school or district. As you know, unless students develop a solid foundation for learning, it doesn't matter how great your teachers deliver content or how emergent the technology, or even how engaging a lesson might be. When students hone executive functioning skills, teachers' efforts to deliver content find fertile ground and everyone succeeds. Mitch has a black belt in creating fertile ground for learning. He shows teachers how to equip students with executive functioning skills. It is possible for teachers to engage the most disengaged or disinterested students and set them up for success in school and life. That's his superpower. My friend, Mitch Weathers, welcome back Thanks to the show. Thanks for having Glad to be here, Danny. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Used to, used to be on the show like a lot. We would do these little random 
shows. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe we'll get back to it. We'll see if um, that's something. With the, red, with the red hats. All right. Let's start there. Cool. So we've got red hats. We, I mean, is yours around? I'd have to go to another room, so I can't even. Yeah. I'm no, embarrassed I don't to say. I like, I, I wouldn't even be able to grab it. So It's a rare day that are, I don't have mine in the bag. but For sure. And it's often, it can be cold in my house here in New York. You see behind me, it's a wintry, you know, scene. But anyways, we have these red hats. Red hats are from Patagonia. And part of the story is we both love the movie, The Life Aquatic, right? Steve Zissou, Bill Murray, who's maybe one of the best actors of all time and comedians, just a genuinely super cool guy. And his best friend gets killed by like a shark, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. And, And he's this explorer type. And the whole movie is like this mockumentary of him uh, going to kill the shark that killed his friend. So it's a great story of uh, revenge. And within that movie, his team, they have a uniform, right? Uh, and we don't have the shirts and the pants and stuff yet. Like, hopefully that will come one day. I think you got a shirt. It, we do have the red hats. I, well, I do. Yeah. And the funny story with that, you know, I wore my Life Aquatic shirt with the only Facebook ad I've ever run. Right. And somebody left a comment. Which is, <laughs> this is, I'm glad to tell the story. This. They're like, yeah, this lady, she's like, basically, if you want to be taken seriously, you know, you need to dress up, eh, like whatever, right? Like that was that why you have your that. that we have your messy jersey on today because you got all dressed up. Me- messy, you know, this is in honor, right, of the Argentine victory with the World Cup. So the podcast is going to come out about a month after they've won. But yeah, this is why I'm wearing it. I'm like, you know, riding high. Of I saw him in Barca at Camp Now, which is a huge stadium there in Spain when he was still playing there. And he scored a couple of goals and I've seen him live and I've just always, you know, found him a fascinating athlete. All right. That's messy. Back to this lady dressed professionally. Right. And, you know, that really bothered me initially. And I'm telling this story because there's a leadership lesson here, which is I should have not posted the first comment. And I eventually took it down. But the first thing I told her is you are everything that's wrong with education. And I'm right. Okay. I'm right. I think I'm right. And the thing is, it's like, you know, if I can't wear, first of all, my personality is fun. I'm a ruckus maker. I'm going to do things differently. And, and like, why are you, why are you talking about a cool shirt? You know what I mean? Right. And I'm pretty sure first, I don't even think she's a school leader, but if she was, I doubt she'd join a program, even if I was wearing a tie. And to me, it's all about creating results, not a resume. You know, you could look a part of a leader, but if you're not a leader, like it doesn't matter if you put the suit on or not, right? So that's one thing I want to say. I should have paused. I should have taken a breath. I should have read it over and not hit send. But I did, t- I did take to my credit. I did take the comment down. And then what you want to do with critics often is you should just make fun of yourself more because it really deflates. It takes the air out of their sails. So the better comment that I put is, well, you know, if you don't like the shirt I'm wearing right now, you should have seen what I wore to my wedding, right? And like after that, there's literally nothing she can say, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say something, ruckus maker, and somebody's gotten under your skin, don't do like I did in that moment. I took it personally because uh, it was my first paid ad ever, but try to have fun with it or just don't say anything at all, right? So that's right. that. Back to the red hats. This episode really is about you. But the red hats, so we got the uniform and that kind of thing. And do you want to tell any of the New Mexico story? Like, it's up to you. Oh, I yeah, think I could tell. Story. So we 
I think that was the, your first red first hat event. experience too, right? Was that where you got your red hat? Or was it before? Uh, or first I time? I had it, but we both had decided. I mean, this is how weird we are. My wife says we have a bromance, by the way. But we're like, hey, too. make sure to pack your red hat, right? Like we're yeah, texting yeah, each you other. You got to have your red Okay. So the story so is everybody, yeah. yeah, we have our red hats and we decide Danny's throwing live event kind of almost post pandemic. And we meet yeah. in New Mexico a day or two beforehand. And I was going to help him right. kind of set things up. And we were just going to hang out and have some time together as friends. And we decide to go on this hike. And we, of course, both have our red hats on and we end up way out in the wilderness and New Mexico is gorgeous. And we're hiking along. And I'll tell the part where we meet the couple and then you tell the second part. So, so we're hiking along and this, I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. It's cold too. So there's just not that many people around. Beautiful hike. And Danny and I are in our matching red beanies. And I think we had pretty unkept beards at that point too. And this couple comes around the corner on the trail. And if I remember right, she was very friendly. Yeah. And like said, hello, right? We're trying to figure out like, hey, where's the trail, right? That's right. So you take it from here. I can't even remember how this all went down. Okay. Well, I'm an all trails fan. So if you're a hiking, you know, guy or gal, get that app. We found a sweet spot to hike. And the entrance was a little confusing because there was some private property markers too. And we didn't want to, you know, break the law and like get on somebody's property. So there was another, there was a couple, it was this dude, and he also had a massive beard and it was disingenuous because we thought he'd be a cool guy. We'd come out to find later, not a cool guy, right? And it was, it was small talk at this point, like, hey, where's the trailhead and this kind of stuff. And they did help us with that, okay? So they start hiking, we start hiking, they get ahead of us because we stop, take pictures and, you know, climb some rocks and this kind of stuff. And we don't know where they've and, and yeah. oh yeah, so while we were talking about where to start the hike and stuff, did the guy say don't talk to those dudes or was that just the gist we got? I, can't I think that remember. was the gist. Okay, he it. had a very standoffish, like building a wall, like these guys are not to be trusted. And I think to your point, when you were telling the story, yeah, she was friendly. This guy cold as ice. And so anyways, us being us, we started to make up a story about these two people, right? Once they left. Yeah, of course, right? They turned around and walked back to the cars, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah, because we we did hike. They were ahead of us, and then they passed us going back. And basically, we knew they hadn't done, they hadn't completed the hike. So the hike got cut short, right? And maybe there was some beef, because this guy's attitude, you know, is not so cool. And so they leave, and then we start making fun of these people, right? Because this, not the lady, actually, just the dude, like, oh, don't talk to those, like, really handsome dudes with their matching red caps and amazing <laughs> beards and, like, like that kind of stuff, right? Like, that was the voice and the persona we gave the guy. And Thinking right, there's nobody else around, right? I mean, we're... Yeah. Yeah. So far, we've only seen these two people. So that we don't have a lot of evidence that this is a crowded trail. Making fun of the dude, don't talk to the handsome dudes with the matching hats and beards. And as we're doing this performance, this woman turns a corner, a very beautiful woman too, by the way. Yeah. And she guys, she's like, you two look adorable in your hats. She's like, you know, 
he should have been jealous, right? <laughs> yeah, she does. So uh, that was the story out there in New Mexico. So cool. Great place to start. And uh, I'm, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this or not. So hopefully you can. Is there any way a connection to executive functions through the story we just told? And if there is, Mitch, what Ooh, would it be? That's a tough one. That's a curveball. It is a there. tough question. Bit of a curveball. Maybe there's something there with dependable or consistent routines. Because that's something I'm reading a lot about organized binder, you know? Yeah. And maybe just the consistency of the uniform. You know what I mean? Like, if Danny and Mitch are at an event, it's you're probably going to see the red oh, hats at some point. Yeah. There's definitely, and the other one of modeling executive functions is a part of the whole work as well. So we could we could weave a narrative there of red cap wearing executive function bearded models or something. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No, I don't know of any overt connections, but. Okay, just an engaging and hilarious story. So I think the moral of the story is be awesome, get a red cap. And if you have opportunity to hike with me or Mitch, like you should totally do it, right? And maybe come to Denver. We'll be hiking there for sure. So, all right. Well, you you know, Mitch, you got this webinar series that's coming up. I think it's five parts, if I don't, if I remember correctly. And um, I believe it's on teaching classroom routines to teach executive functions, right? So uh, the entry point, you know, who is this webinar series for and why are you putting it on? What's it for? Well, that's a good question. I think I would say that the series is, it's like you said, it's a five-part, totally free series. It's going to start January 25th. So coming up here and run for five weeks. And it's really for school, I would say school and district leaders, as well as, of course, the teachers out there. And the focus of the entire five weeks, if I could, I'll just unpack it a little bit for you. I mean, the key focus and what we will come back to at the beginning of each one is, you know, the importance of teaching executive functioning skills. We'll touch on how historically they've kind of been just left up to chance. And in particular, in this time coming out of the pandemic, we are actually coming out of it and just recognizing gaps, interestingly, that that are challenges being faced globally all over the world, which is just a really fascinating thing, right? I don't know if we could say globally, we've all been kind of in the same place, but most of the schools, districts, county offices of ed, even colleges that we work with are saying the same thing. Like there's these gaps Mm -hmm. and the way to really address those meaningfully and authentically is by building the foundation for learning, which is these executive functioning skills. So we're going to spend some time each session on six different skills. The last one will be, we'll combo two and could keep coming back to this idea of how, or what's the importance of teaching these executive functioning skills. Right. Okay. From a high level, like what are some of those six? You could share all six or just a handful. Yeah. But what goes into those executive function skills? Yeah. So some of them, most of them pretty recognizable. Where we'll start is something called working memory, which of the six that are kind of inherent to my work with Organized Binder, and of course will be a part of this series. Working memory is probably the one that people are least familiar with. And it's loosely described as the ability to retrieve or access things that I've learned or experienced and kind of hold it in cognitive space long enough to do something with it. But planning and time management, organizational skills, 
accountability, self-regulation, and goal setting. Those are the six. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I haven't heard of working memory as much either. So I appreciate you sharing that. And what you said, so there's six skills. It's a five-part series. Each one you'll do, you'll teach one skill. And then the last one you'll teach two, right? Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Sweet. And the reason for that, if I could just mention it, is the last, the fifth session will be on accountability and then self-regulation. And there's three keys to teaching executive functions that we'll talk about each time in each of these five sessions. But part of that is establishing a predictable learning routine. And so the idea of self-regulation is actually kind of, when we look back on the previous four sessions, we'll be able to see how it actually applies to all of the other skills. So that's why we combo it with accountability or why I'm doing that. Yeah, cool. That's interesting. So I I like that. Like those three keys to teach executive function skills, they're consistent through each training. And uh, I guess a meta level, these three keys should show up in the classroom on a daily basis too. Is that right? Ideally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The three I've found for teaching executive functions is one, just being really explicit or clear. Like clarity matters with these skills. Two, establishing a predictable rhythm to the day, that learning routine. And here's the key. Well, the third is modeling these executive functions so I can see them. But the routine, if I see them modeled and I get practice using them in a no-stakes way, meaning they don't negatively affect my grade or my performance in the class, these are just skills and habits that I'm trying to hone. The more practice I get with them by virtue of routine, seeing them modeled each day, the more likely students are to Because what I've found, kind of, I would say my thesis for these five sessions is that executive functioning skills aren't actually taught in the traditional sense. They're best learned when they're explicitly modeled and I get practice with them by virtue of a routine. And to your point, having those kind of tenets be part of every lesson in a classroom, I would absolutely agree. In particular, establishing a predictable rhythm, a predictable learning routine, because I believe that predictable learning spaces are safer. And when students find themselves in that kind of dependability or that predictability, in particular for students whose lives outside of school are anything but predictable, they may be more chaotic. When they find themselves consistently in that space, it feels safer. And when students are in safer learning environments, they're more likely to take risks inherent to learning as opposed to not feeling quite as safe. So, okay. Well, let's, let's take a break really quick for some messages from our sponsors. And when we get back, let's hear a little bit more about this predictable learning. So today's show is sponsored by Organized Binder, and it's a show with the founder of Organized Binder right now. Like, Amazing. Mitch Weathers, my friend in the flesh (laughs) and uh, Organized Binder is just an incredible program, but there is a great and absolutely great five-part webinar series that's coming up on classroom routines to teach executive functions. Unless you were asleep for the first half of this podcast, there's a ton of value, right? That you can get there in terms of the skills that will be taught. There are three keys to teaching executive functioning skills. And best of all, it is 100% free to attend. 
You can go over to organizedbinder.com slash EF to register. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online PD that fits your schedule and courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. TeachFX helps educators see how their instructional practices lead to student talk and learning in both in-person and live online learning for any subject at any grade level. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about its special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. All right, we're back with my friend and founder of Organized Binder, Mitch Weathers. We're talking about this awesome five-part series that he's got going on, Classroom Routines to Teach Executive Functions. And I mentioned before the sponsor break that I'd just like to hear a little bit more about predictable predictable learning you know, routines and environments. And so what are some keys you know, to setting those up? Yeah, and just making them predictable. And you know, I love the idea that it creates safety in the classroom and you know, kids could probably learn to trust the experience and that kind of stuff. But could you give us a mini masterclass on predictable learning routines? Yeah, I think it starts with really analyzing the areas in class maybe that, that lack predictability or lack the use of time well. So when I think of a predictable routine, a big part of that is the first few moments of the class period in the school or the school day, and then the last few moments. And that came from my own kind of analysis of my own practice early on 20 years ago, and just recognizing that there was just kind of these moments in my lesson where, you know, class had started, but we're kind of just getting going, some kids still showing up, we kind of have this time. But I started noticing that's like where my classroom management issues were kind of starting to breed. Mm-hmm. I taught mostly multi-language learners, kids from Mexico and Central America. And that lack of clarity could be really confusing for them, you know, especially if I'm going from in a high school setting, you know, where I teach, it's from class to class to class. So if each class functions differently, has a different expectation. Of course, what we're learning, the content or curriculum is different. But if just how what some schools we work with call studentness, like just that how things function and what's expected of me looks right. different, students end up spending a significant amount of cognitive energy or what I like to call mental calories, just getting through the school day. And so when you create... Even if it's just your, if you're one, the only teacher on campus doing this, and we'll talk about shared routines in a moment. But of course, what, again, what we're learning each day is different. But how we how we end that's those beginning and ending few minutes. How we transition, where do we put our stuff? How like that kind of just functionality, if you will. If that never changes then you set students up for success in a unique way. And I believe that there needs to multiple opportunities to for students to experience success or what I like to call victories that aren't tied to content. And some of that can be framed around this predictable routine. So in other words, what's it look like to be ready to learn when we start class or what it looks like to be on time? What does it look like to be organized? So that here's all that modeling part of this, Mm, right? So here's the routine, but I can communicate that without using any words. What's it look like to be on time? What's it look like when we conclude? And then when students engage in that routine, 
there's opportunities for teachers to kind of acknowledge or celebrate those small victories of studentness, right? And none of this mm-hmm. is tied to content mastery or grades or understanding. It's more of this engaging in this routine. And the real key to this work is by virtue of the routine, students get practice with goal setting. They get practice with time management. They get practice with organizational skills. They utilize their working memory and they may not even realize it, but they're starting to make these skills their own by virtue of an environment that actually feels safe. Like I know what to do to be successful Mm. in this class. And if teachers commit to a shared routine, you reduce the load, the cognitive load. And we know that the more cognitive load, it takes up working memory and working memory is finite. So the more I tax that, the capacity I have to focus on what teachers are trying so hard to teach in the first place. And that's what's really interesting about just creating a shared, predictable routine. We actually create more bandwidth for students to learn what we're trying to teach them. It's pretty interesting, I think. For sure. For folks that do attend the trainings, and I highly recommend they do, and again, you can go over to Organize finder.com slash EF to snag your free spot in these trainings. What's the outcome, right? Like if there's a top outcome that people are going to get after going through the five-part series, what would that be? I want, I want everybody to have that same, to leave with that same clarity. As I mentioned, and, and research even indicates this, that historically we've kind of left the development of these skills up to chance. And I have evidence for this. I even call it data. And I don't know how many schools or audiences I've asked this same question all over the country for years now. When we're in, you know, learning about these executive functioning skills, but in particular time management, time and task management, basically how do I keep a calendar? I always pause and Mm. say, hey, raise your hand. If an adult, a caring adult in your life at some point when you were a young person, yeah, just modeled, showed you how to use a calendar. Like, here's how you do it and why. And I, this is not an exaggeration. I think one person in well over a decade has been like, yeah, it was like mom or somebody, you know, brought it up. And it's the same thing with a lot of these. Like, I had to figure out how to be organized. Well, what we're seeing is that Skills formerly learned by students on their own. I'm kind of paraphrasing some research right now. Now it's on the onus of the teacher to to teach them, right? Mm -hmm. So my hope is that everybody who attends all five, and by the way, if you just go to that organized binder slash EF and sign up, you snag your seat and you're registered for all five. You don't have to like try to come. Yeah, it'll be easy for you. But that I hope you just first and foremost walk away with like this conviction to bring this awareness, not only to your own practice as a teacher, but your school, your learning community or your district, whatever your role is, that we would no longer just leave it up to chance for the sake of students, but that we would dive in and really start to teach these. And in each session, like you said, we're going to hit on a, a different skill. And so there'll be some takeaways there, but on that kind of global view or like that bigger vision that it's like, no, we, this has to be done. This has to be done. And it has to be done now. I think that's a call to action for all teachers. And here's the thing, Danny, I think there's a few reasons why it's not being done. By the way, I've never met a teacher or a parent that's like, yeah, no, I don't want my kid to be organized. Yeah. Yeah, Goal settings, not. not. Organizations for the birds. Right. Forget it. 
time management, eh, you don't need that when you get to college or yeah. in life. Like my work in like, California, but not in New York. But it's it's funny that they would be. Let, I mean, everyone's like, yeah, of course. And teachers, there's two things that often happen. The first and foremost is just a matter of time. Most teachers don't have enough time to get through the content they're tasked with teaching in the first place. I don't care what the grade level is or the subject, you know, you're teaching. There's always a time crunch. And then there's also the zone of genius. Like my zone of genius might be teaching fifth grade or 12th grade ELA. Or it's like, even if I wanted to do this, I don't necessarily know how. And back to my point, this will be another, the takeaway is like, be convicted they have to be taught and then learn how they're actually not taught. They're best mm. learned, you know. And so that's that zone of genius where maybe, uh, that's not my expertise, but I'm curious to know more because we can, by virtue of that routine, what ultimately happens is we dovetail with a teacher existing content and curriculum. So it's not infringing upon their instructional time. Got it. Cool. That makes sense. Let me know if you think this that metaphor works. I don't know if it does or doesn't. But so, for example, I hired a health and fitness coach, right? So Ali, if you're watching, shout out to you. And he lives in England, but, you know, we have these Zoom sessions and workouts and how to eat and all this kind of stuff. I'm getting good mm-hmm. results. But, you know, part of lifting, like my capacity lift, getting higher, you know. But, uh, for example, with squats, I'm refusing to add more weight until I know I've perfected the fundamentals, right? And have technique. the right type of form. Yeah, technique. Yeah. And as I, the capacity is there because when I do leg press, right? I could do like three times, literally three times the amount that I do just squatting, you know? Again, Mm -hmm. squatting, it's just you, the back, you know, it's your stabilization, the core and stuff. Press, you're actually in the seat and you're just, you know, shooting it away with you from you with the legs. So maybe executive functions, the metaphor is, it's like knowing the proper form, right? The capacity, sky's the limit, right? For all our students and what can be accomplished in classrooms. If they don't have the right fundamentals and form, it actually limits what can happen Absolutely. based on yeah your ability, but also, you know, I don't know what an injury would look like in a classroom, but that's what I'm trying to avoid as well. You know, so how did I do or just, metaphor? First try. I like it. I like it because it's it's injury could be framed as lack of like fulfilling my potential. I think there's yeah, there's right. an a interesting conversation to be had about students getting the experience to know how they learn how they best learn as an individual and what it looks like when they've got it. And you only get that through practice. You only, it's the only way it can happen. And yet, you know, like, like, like squats, I'm not a big lifter myself, but I have tried squats and they're hard. Not even, you can have no weight and just do it yeah, sure, body sure. weight. It's not an easy yeah. thing and it has to be practiced and you will hurt yourself. I know that from friends who do that. And so in that kind of same sense, like with students, the potential is hindered or limited if I don't hone these skills. But we know that it takes practice. We also know that we don't, brain or cognitive research around all this is that they don't really coalesce really until our early to mid 20s. But what Mm -hmm. I believe is that's more likely to happen if I saw them modeled and I got practice with them in a no stakes way as early as elementary school. Where I'm just, I'm seeing them, I'm practicing them, I'm seeing the value. And then when I do actually need them and I can make them my own, that's more likely to happen because I've practiced. Absolutely. So Ruckus Maker, go over there to organizebinder.com slash EF and register for free to this five-part series. 
classroom routines to teach executive functions. Mitch, we covered a lot of ground today. Of everything we talked about, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? In order to set students and teachers up for success. For students, we must first lay the foundation for learning, which is these executive functioning skills. And for teachers to really be wildly successful, I would love for them to experience a predictable learning routine that frames their content. And by virtue of that, students get practice with these skills. So I hope there's some takeaway there. There's a third arm to it all that we haven't mentioned, so I'll just drop it real quick. There's a unique opportunity to engage families in this work. And they, I mean, like we just said, Danny, what parent doesn't want their kid to be organized? Or pick the skill there, of course. However, we can also engage families in a way that's not tied to content as well. So that if maybe the family can't help with work at home or homework or whatever it might be in terms of the content, for whatever reason, they all love it when schools engage, invite them into supporting this work from home. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm.